0: Hi there, this is Danny Flexon. Welcome, welcome? Welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Reflections. We're here every Monday, 4.30pm, usually to review the boxing action of the weekend just gone. Um, but this week's going to be slightly different in that, uh, as exciting or not as uh, Danny Garcia's win over Ivan Redcatch was, it's not really enough there to talk about for seven minutes, I'm afraid. And At least not for me, it certainly hasn't inspired me, and if you've watched the fight, maybe hasn't inspired you either. So instead, I'm going to reflect upon some of the interviews I did last week. Um, we went down to the Peacock gym on Friday to speak to trainer Mark Tibbs at his stable, minus Dillian White, of course, who isn't often in the Peacock, does a lot of his training up in Loughborough, of course. Um, so we went down to speak to Mark, and we spoke to, and you'll see all these on the channel, of course, John Harding Jr., uh, Charlie Duffield, Ben Jardine, who's a reality star who I, I admit I hadn't heard of, before I met him on the day, but has been given a licence by Bieber, good old Bieber, Um, and he's looking to fight other reality show stars, which I have no real problem with, Um, so we spoke to them, and Harvey Horn of course, who is hoping to target a big domestic clash with Sonny Edwards this year, although I'm not sure how keen Sonny is, um, depending on what money he's offered, I know he responded to our video with Harvey Horn on Twitter, or, or the fact that it was coming out on Twitter, saying "Well, they have to pay me now, So let's see what happens there. Um, But speaking to Mark Tibbs, it was really interesting because he did talk about Didion White even though he wasn't there um, and just talked about the Marius VAC performance in December and and White being overweight for that, but also how the long hiatus after the Oscar Rivas fight and the problems with UCAD only recently sorted out just before the VAC fight, how that had affected White's mindset and and how it had led to maybe not committing 100% in the gym as he normally does. So that was kind of interesting. And and also Tibbs was saying that, you know, Povetkin and Andy Ruiz Jr., whoever it is, they'll have an approach ready in time. He said they're not the most tricky of styles to prepare for, um, even though they're not similar to each other. They're not the most tricky styles overall. Um, So he wasn't worried about the fact that the opponent had yet to be confirmed, even though um, White is already in training camp. So we had a really good chat with Mark, and um, some of that's already out on the channel. The rest of it will be out hopefully later this week. Um, but while we were at the Peacock Gym, just chatting away, you happened to see a large shadow looming um, on the periphery and eventually walking past. And that was Daniel Dubois, um, not dressed in one of his sharp suits as we've become used to seeing at press conferences, but in training gear. Um, if you go to the Peacock Gym and you're lucky enough to see Daniel Dubois, who's obviously growing as a star in the heavyweight division, you've got to at least try and get an interview with him. Um, so I um, text his trainer, Martin Bowers, um, believing he was there for a training session and um, attempted to set up the interview while we were there. Um, Martin did arrange it, it was all fine, but he wasn't actually there for training, he was doing a photo shoot for BT Sport. Not, I should say, for the Joe Joyce fight, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but just general freshen up pictures um, according to Frank Warren of Queensbury Promotions because they last picture they had of the while when he was much younger and probably a little bit leaner as well. He's growing into quite the monster, it's fair to say. Um, British and Commonwealth champion um, Daniel Dubois and he seemed, surprisingly, I have to say, quite happy to do an impromptu interview. He's not always the happiest to do scheduled interviews. Um, he's quite a shy character. Maybe not even shy, but just, just the quiet type prefers to, cliche alert, let his fist do the talking. But he is getting better at that side of things. And that, that's kind of the major reflection this week, I think. Is that, A, he seemed to embrace the opportunity to speak his mind. But B, and you'll see this in the interviews, the one about uh, Anthony Joshua and about Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder rematch is already on the channel. The one about him and Joe Joyce um, is going up tomorrow evening, so Tuesday evening. But you'll see that he's a lot more comfortable in front of the camera, um, giving more thoughtful, lengthy answers to questions as well. And it's much needed, you know, it's all very well looking explosive and dynamic in the ring. But you need a bit of personality outside the ring as well. Um, and Most of the top superstars of the last 10, 20 years have had that. And I think it's growing in Dubois. We've got to remember he turned pro at a very, very young age. And he's still quite a young man. He's been kind of looked after by his close-knit support network throughout his life, mainly his family, his dad especially, and his his brother and his sister both box as well. And he's had that kind of protection and and he hasn't been kind of exposed to um, the kind of harsh side of boxing in terms of either the business side or the media spotlight and the negative side of that. So he's kind of coming out of his shell a bit, and I think that will continue to grow. Um, be nice to him if you get the chance. Other interviewers or fans, um, don't don't scare him off. Don't ruin it for all of us. He's he's just starting to, you know, come out of that shell, and we want to keep it that way. Um, but yeah, the the kind of key headlines and you'll see this in the videos is that he really wants the Joyce fight next. Um, he doesn't see any area where Joyce is superior to him, except for perhaps experience. And he's just really keen to keep progressing. He and Frank Warren have both talked about having a world title shot by the end of this year, 2020. And he's keen to do it. I think the fact that we've seen Joshua lose, surprisingly, back in June to Ruiz before regaining the belts, the fact that Wilder and Fury drew and, and people find it hard to pick the winner of the rematch and, and Dubois found it difficult himself, just shows that you know, at that, even at the very top level, the heavyweight division is still, while not wide open, it's certainly competitive. And Warren said before he'd have no qualms about putting Dubois in with either Joshua or Dillian White right now. Now, that might be a bit of promoter hyperbole, of course. But certainly by the end of the year, if a win over Joyce is added to the Dubois ledger, I wouldn't worry too much about putting him in at that level. I mean, it's all very well wanting more seasoning. He is still very young. Um... But if he's there, if the talent's there, he's ready, and he's done the rounds. And I don't, I don't think he'll be blasting Joyce out in the first one or two rounds. What a statement it would be if he did! But I think even if he wins, that fight goes goes quite long. Um, if he's ready, then why not? You know, let's let's usher in a new heavyweight era with a young heavyweight champion in the same way we did when Joshua first won the title. Um, that'd be really great to see. You know, I'm, I'm certainly a, a believer in the boy. At least so far, his fundamentals are sound. He's fluid um, and he's he's very composed and poised in the ring. And you don't often see that with someone who's had quite an abbreviated amateur career like he has and turned pro quite young. But yeah, um, we hope he he goes from strength to strength. But I've got a lot of time for Joe Joyce as well. And in a way, although it's good for the sport, in a way, I hope they don't fight next. Because I find it very hard to kind of favour either of the two of them. But yeah, look forward to the next part of that Daniel De interview. That'll be out tomorrow evening, Tuesday evening. I'll be back next week um, for the next Reflections, which might be a more typical one, um, Monday 4.30 and this Thursday, Reflect Expectations, 4.30pm. Thanks very much for your time, always a pleasure and I'll speak to you soon. Please comment below as well, tell me what you think about Dylan White and Daniel Du <laughs>
1: BehindTheGloves.com here with the one and only Bob Arum. Bob, just talk to us how easy this fight was actually able to be made with two networks and two promotions that have actually wanted to work with one another.
2: Well, there's one word, M-O-N-E-Y. And this is the most lucrative fight in boxing, and therefore it was easy for everybody to get together.
3: Now, will this open up? Because everybody wants to know. It was a suspense? Porter, Spence, Crawford, something coming
4: up with this. Will this open this up?
2: Hopefully, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, PBC sees the advantage of working together. We see the advantage of working together. If we can get these two major networks behind an event, we're way ahead of the game.
3: Working with these networks have been easier than working with Showtime and HBO in the past? Are you
2: kidding? Showtime and HBO spent all the time fighting with each other. These guys don't fight with each other. They know how to cooperate. You watch Fox, and Fox will say, well, watch Monday night, ESPN uh, has this professional football game on. ESPN says on Fox on Sunday, uh, they'll have this game. They promote each other's events. They're in the same business, but that doesn't mean they compete uh, all the time, uh, particularly when they're both doing a, a similar sporting event. So they cooperate with each other, they promote each other's events, and therefore it's easy for them to work together on an event like this.
3: How do you see the heavyweight
1: division going right now? We've seen Ruiz and Joshua turning you know, the belts back and forth. We have this huge fight, Wilder versus Fury, too, Well, on. I'm,
2: I tell you, the big fight I'm going to do at the end of the year for the undisputed heavyweight championship is Tyson Fury against Kubrick Pulev. Because Pulev is going to knock Joshua out, and I believe Fury is going to beat Wilder. So in-house, we can make both guys for the heavyweight championship. And you know something, even though they're both ESPN guys, we'll invite Fox into the mix.
3: Thank you for your time, Bob. Thank you.
5: Hey, Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking the icon right here and also hit the bell button so that you can get alerts every time we upload a new video. <laughs>
4: This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. We're in sunny Miami. like to be joined by Ammo Austin Williams. Austin, it's been a while. Last time i seen you was in London. How you been keeping? Man,
1: I've been doing real good. I've been um,
4: training, actually
1: letting that, that camp from London settle in, and I've been learning a lot from, you know, it's just just like anything else. You work out real hard, You you sit on it, and then you finally get the results of what you've done. So... And that time from London till now, I kind of got to really get those things implanted in me, the things that I worked on in London and also the experience that I learned from the fight because, you know, I had a tougher opponent that helped as well. So I'm doing real good. A lot of elevation going on right now.
4: Let's stick with that, we'll come on to your fight, but obviously I'm, I saw you in the UK, you came to my home city of Newcastle and watched some fights there as a fan, then you came down to London and fought there in front of the British fans for the first time. When you look back at, back at that experience now as both a fan and a fighter, how much did you enjoy yourself and how much did you learn as well?
1: Oh man, I learned a lot. I learned the importance of being able to capture you know, other countries and being able to connect with people who aren't just your own. Or, you know. Um, I adjusted a lot. There was a lot of different things out there in London. Of course, a lot of different factors that I had to you know, instantly get used to to get ready for the fight and be in the right mindset for the fight. Also, too, the people out there. I still have close people who I talk to almost daily that I met out in London. Um, and, of course, I, I impress the London fans. So I'm a fighter that they want to see and they want to back. So all together, it's been amazing. Um, I think it gives me a head start as a world champion and being able to really embody that, a world champion where I can go to other countries and really connect and, uh, you know, just indulge in the culture. I'm not trying to bring my experiences or or my life, yeah, my life experiences, I'm not trying to bring that over there. I'm just a new vessel trying to learn new things when I do go to a place like London or even Miami, you know, um i'm here to learn as much as possible so looking back on that i know that that elevated me as a fighter not only just a fighter but it elevated me as a human so that's my sum of 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 london trip
4: When I spoke to you and met you for the first time in London, you know, I I realized straight away you're quite a switched on kid. You were talking about wanting to build yourself, not only in the US, you want to be an international fighter and you just talked about it there. You managed to do so in the UK, introduce yourself to that audience. Is it in your mind to to fight both sides of the pond, not only this year, but going forward as well and and keep building that profile everywhere?
1: Yes, definitely. I think every single year I want to fight on both sides. Um, I want, since London got to see me as such a new fighter, um, very fresh. It was only my fourth fight where I made my London debut um, I'm somebody where I can build in both countries. I can have extremely big-time fights in both countries I can have a world championship here. I can have a world championship defense in London. You know what I mean? So um, I definitely want to continue to build on that l- relationship I have with the London fans and uh, of course every single day I want to build on my relationship with the US fans um, because I'm actually here, but I can see myself in both I, I definitely think this year with the um, turnout and the, the way I handled last year I'm pretty sure that Eddie
4: won't have a problem getting me back out this year as well Now obviously, see Thursday in Miami. We've got three world title fights. We've got a couple of youtubers as well You're back in action for the first yeah. time this year I know you're a fighter that likes to be busy. We've seen you very active since you turned pro How happy are you to be back in there and get the first one out of the way ahead of big 2020? this decade Is my decade. Um, So
1: to be able to start it in the first month of the decade is amazing. It's like um, it's almost necessary. You know, I talked to Eddie. I actually sent him a couple voice memos and I told him, look, I'm in a stage right now where I feel complete. I know I'm not 100% the fighter that I will be. Of course, you make improvements every single day, but I am complete and I'm on a path of being ammo. I'm on a path of I have enough freedom to to really, you know, exert this new style that I said I was going to bring to the sport. I got the confidence to do that now. So I asked Eddie, you know, to give me this decade, give me this decade. And he said, you know what, we're going to start it out uh, on January 30th. And here we are. I'm extremely excited to show what I can do. I'm extremely excited, excited to bring this new style to the sport. The sport needs it. The sport needs it. So, um this is exactly how how this decade needed to start
4: when I spoke to you off camera yesterday you told me you want to enjoy it next Thursday you want to enjoy the occasion are you making a concept to try and soak all these experiences up as you go along the way as well definitely
1: Um, I've been aware of that since I started since I became a professional I do not zone out to the point where I'm not taking in everything that's happening around me this is a blessing fighting in LA, Madison Square Garden London, Dallas, and now Miami, all of these things are blessings and uh, if I close my eyes to it and just focus too hard on a fight, then I might stress myself out, you know I let myself enjoy and that brings the balance, so I can have fun in a fight and I can perform in a fight because when it is time to muster up those uh, emotions or not emotions, but that energy, when it's time to bring that out, uh, I have it rather than sitting on it and uh, kinda letting it brew the whole week, you know, I just compact it and bring it all to to the fight time. And I think that's one reason why you always get a great explosive performance from me, because I know how to manage, and I know how to um, balance. So I'm definitely gonna suck this in. I just walked out on the beach just now. Um, I'm gonna go out there, take a nap, you know, watch the waves, do a couple voice memos, um, so I'll never forget this exact time and the potency of it, and uh, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy every last experience that I gain.
4: I Found it interesting you saying you were talking to Eddie and telling him you're you're sort of ready to push on and this is your decade and you're feeling very complete as a fighter for someone with with such little professional experience though and obviously so young still. I think you're 23 years old, is that right? Is it hard to sort of just rein yourself back sometimes and and know you've still got a bit of learning to do when you're ready to just kick on? Yeah.
1: I think um, you got to know what type of learner that you are. And uh, for myself, I I need the experiences. I need the challenges. Um, It just pulls something out of me. If it's a little too safe, um, it gets harder for me to muster up that energy. I'm very aware of what I can do. Um, And I need, don't get me wrong, this doesn't mean I work less hard. I work maybe harder, you know, but I work smarter. And uh, I make sure that I definitely keep a balance to where I'm not burning out. But if you keep uh, raising a bar for me, <clears throat> then I have no choice but to elevate. I love being in that type of circumstance where the stakes are a bit higher, or the opposition is the toughest that I've ever faced. It always pulls the best ammo out of me, and that's what I was telling Eddie. For me, you don't have to be you know, too cautious or overly cautious. The way to get the best ammo out is to give me those challenges and things of that nature. So, yeah, it, it's hard. It is definitely a, a very thin line between going too far and doing it just right to where you maximize an athlete. But um, I think they have so much experience in doing that, then they, they won't overdo it. But that's their job. You know, I need to have that twinkle in my eye. I need to shoot for the stars. I need to want to be the greatest And then I'll let them manage as they see fit or as they know the business. But I voice my opinions and I voice my desires because sometimes, you know, if you keep quiet, nobody knows that you want to really, you know, push to be the greatest. And the only way you're going to be the greatest is to have these challenges and these obstacles and uh, a little adversity you got to face. So I have no problem. Also, too, a lot of fighters are only sold on the fact that they have a perfect record, perfect um, career, perfect blah, blah, blah. Me, I wanna identify so much with the people that I have no problem having a blemish because everybody in life has, has blemishes, you know what I'm saying, but it's all about how you fix that up, or not trying to cover it up, but actually solve the problems at, at hand and things like that, I'm a true fighter, I really want these experiences, so, you know, even that, I'm not scared of. Say, I do get pushed a little too fast, and something doesn't go right. I'm not scared of that, because I don't man, I don't market myself as somebody who can't make mistakes. I market myself as somebody that's just like you, but I work hard and I uh, take chances, I take risks, and I have fun. So uh, that's another reason why you know I have no problem with going forward and taking those risks
4: found it interesting you said that. There are a lot of fighters, promoters, managers that put so much emphasis these days on keeping that O intact. You said there, if you've taken the steps up, you're not scared to get a blemish on your record. There's a couple of fighters on this weekend, great examples of that. Tevin Farmer, earlier in his career, he had a couple of blemishes on his record. Danny Roman is now unified champion. He had a couple of losses in a draw. Is that your mindset, that, that you're not afraid to just you know, lose that O? It's not something you're, that's on your mind to protect at all? Um, it's really not.
1: <clears throat> I am such a personality. I'm, you know, such an entity that I know You know people are gonna wa- want to watch me fight regardless. Don't get me wrong. I'm not okay with losing and I, I, I Don't see myself losing with how I work. I don't see myself losing, but I'm also not going to nitpick Because I want to I want to find some fighters who are completely no challenge to me No, I want the challenge that gets me going that gets me upbeat Um it's a lot of fighters who all they have to offer is this idea that they're they're superhuman and they can't be beat and some can't go wrong. And when something does go wrong, you see their um, careers tarnished. And it's literally because they were you know, basing their career off something false. We see not many... Not many, the pound for pound, in my eyes, greatest fighter right now, Canelo has a blemish on his career. And that blemish that he had actually excelled him as a fighter more than any other fights that he had. The one fight that he lost actually did more for him than any other fights that he won. So you got to see the beauty of both sides. And if you got somebody who can be marketable without that, um, then they get more opportunities. You know what I mean? somebody's only marketable because of that, oh, they're going to hold on to that. The money is only going to come because of that. The money will go down severely if they lose it. So um, I'm just just building myself as a fighter who will always be somebody that people want to see, always be somebody that the people can connect with and understand. And, uh, you know, that's going to bring out the best in me and make me maximize my boxing career.
4: Couple more fights, I wanted to get your thoughts on them before I let you go. You're sharing a bill with a three world title fights as well as a couple YouTubers. Let's start with the YouTubers. We've got Neeson, Gabe, and Jake Paul throwing it down. It's the second one we've had under zone these sort of YouTube fights. What have you made of this old YouTube boxing crossover? Beautiful for the sport. Um, as I said before, you can go back and
1: look at my first couple press conferences and speeches and things. The reason why I wanted to be with Matchroom is because they were the first innovative promotion that I've seen. Um, Literally, the word innovation probably captures matchroom. And when you're with somebody like that, you have to expect these things. They're going to do stuff that's completely different. It might seem insane, you know. But at the end of the day, it's genius. Now, did I go and research these two guys to see how they really box? stuff? No, I definitely didn't. Um, But I just know that they have a lot of influence over the world or a big part of the world, you know which is why they're getting these opportunities, which in turn is only going to bring more people in to tune in to me, somebody that really um, <clears throat> takes the sport seriously and is trying to make a life, a living, and a career out of this. you know. Also, too, this is great for me because ammo is not just a fighter. I want to go into acting. My, my management company is big in the acting world. Pete Berg, he's a Hollywood director and things like that. If I can start getting familiar with these type of people... Uh, getting my face familiar with these people, then it'll be easier for them to take to my next career. You know what I mean? So for a person like me, this is genius. This is beautiful. Um, this is something that I can and will capitalize on and uh, something that I just love, you know? And I don't I don't see... Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they start pulling athletes from other things to do a fight. As, as long as they had a following, really... They're helping up, helping out their actual fighters. So, I, I think it's beautiful.
4: Final one, Amo. Uh, someone I'm sure you have a great deal of respect for. Demetrius Andre defends WBO world middleweight title against Luke Keeler. Luke Keeler, a heavy underdog. He is a very game fighter on a good run, though. What do you make of that fight? Um, I think that
1: Demetrius has has proven that he has a superior skill set, and uh, in this fight, it'll just be another display of that. Um, that's pretty much all I take from it. Um, am I the biggest Demetrius fan? No, be, to be honest, I'm really not. It's not a lot of fighters who really excite me right now. He is one of my stable mates as far as my, my uh, promotional company, but not one of my favorite fighters. So I just think that uh, if we go down to logic, his skill set won't be matched and he'll pull off maybe a unanimous decision win. Uh, that's just my my, um, you know what I think is gonna happen. But other than that, uh, yeah, I, honestly, to to be completely honest, I don't even watch too many of uh, fighters today, and that's brings it back to what I was saying before: innovation. I'm trying to do something so different that I I really don't clog my mind up with with the performances of others because that subconsciously will probably fall on to me to myself so with that being said i can only give an analytical um prediction of what i think will happen i think his skill set will will make him victorious tomorrow night all right thursday night sorry
4: I'm, i'm gonna leave the final word to you before i let you go what can the fans expect to see thursday evening when you go into the ring for the first time in 2020
1: expect fun expect fun this camp, since October 26, when I fought in London, till now, I've been working on my mind, um, and I've been asking myself, I do not want to be a too serious fighter, you know, all business fighter. I don't. I I really don't. This is such a risk, and it's such a beautiful art that I'm going to maximize the canvas that I have every single time. In this fight, I got a durable guy. 40-plus uh, MMA fights, seven professional yeah. fights, three knockouts. Um, I got I got, a, I got a durable guy. Um, that's not to say that I'm going to take off the gas at all or I'm going to slow down or fight a cautious fight. I'm not. I'm going to have a lot of fun in the ring. I'm going to try to get a spectacular knockout. Um, I'm going to show all the artsy things I can do in the ring, and I'm going to make it very easy on the eyes. Uh, A lot of people will become fans of me after this fight. Um, I don't even know. I'm just letting my mind be so creative. I'm just letting it be open. that I don't know exactly what I'm going to do and I'm not trying to pinpoint exactly what I'm going to do. It's going to be a knockout. In the fashion that it comes, I don't know, but it's going to be fun. Like I said, it's going to be easy on the eyes. I think that's genius. I think that's genius. When people don't have to know The art. They don't have to know what's going on to know that something genius is going on. That's my idea. That's my goal. That's what I'm pushing for Thursday
4: night. And that's what you guys are going to see Thursday night. Well, Amo, pleasure as always. Thank you very much for taking the time out on a busy fight week to speak to us. We'll catch you soon. Best of luck with training. We'll see you on fight night.
5: So we got Luke Keeler challenging Demetrius Andrade for the WBO world middleweight title this weekend. This is really a horrible fight on paper. Horrible fight. When it was first announced, I'd heard the name Luke Keeler, but I couldn't remember where from. I was like, Luke Keeler, is he a British fighter? Turns out he's an Irish fighter. And where I remember him from was the rematch he had with Tom Doran. That was a a wild fight that went two rounds. And in the end, Luke Keeler was knocked out very, very badly in that fight very, very heavy knockdown he suffered, the the final knockdown. That's where I remember him from. So this is a guy who got starched by Tom Doran in two rounds. And now he's going to take on Demetrius Andrade for the world middleweight title. Real, real poor matchup on paper. But of course, some people would say fights are not won on paper. They are won in the ring. Touché. But if Luke was to do anything other than lose decisively to Demetrius Andrade, I would be shocked. <laughs> I'm not expecting a competitive fight here, people. I'm expected I'm expecting rather a one-sided victory for Demetrius Andrade. Either a one-sided victory on points or a one-sided victory by knockout or stoppage. Yeah, I have seen Luke Keeler more than once, by the way, for those of you who are wondering but the the main fight which sticks out in my head of Luke Keeler's was the Tom Duran fight where he got knocked out. And as you can see, Keeler with only five knockouts out of 17 wins, could you even say he's got a puncher's chance? I know that knockout percentages are not always an accurate reflection of how hard somebody can hit, but they're often at least a rough guide. A guy who has five knockouts in 17 fights particularly if he's in shape, and in this case, he's a middleweight, so he's going to have a certain level of athleticism. It's very unlikely that this guy can hit hard when he's got you know, a record like this. I know he had Tom Doran on the floor, but hey, that's Tom Doran, right? Yeah, what are you guys expecting? Surely, Andrade must be a massive favorite with the bookies. Massive favorite. I, I doubt they're even taking odds on Andrade, are they? Maybe they are, but maybe rounds betting they're taking odds. But in terms of Andrade to win, certainly not going to get good odds on that. Disappointing that Andrade's fighting this level of opposition. And according to his promoter, Eddie Hearn, and he's just signed an extension actually with DAZN and matchroom, Demetrius Andrade. According to his promoter, Eddie Hearn, if neither he, Saunders, or Callum Smith get the Canelo fight next, then they need to fight each other. And that's definitely what we need to see. And we can throw Danny Jacobs in there as well. Now, how that's going to work for Andrade, I'm not sure because he's a middleweight at the moment, whereas Jacobs, Smith, and Saunders are all super middleweights. The most logical of those three to take on would be Saunders because of the fact that he's only really a middleweight himself. So, uh, That would be the most logical one. Maybe Saunders could come back down to middleweight to to fight Demetrius Andrade. So, anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about this fight or this non-fight. We'll see. Rocky Marciano, Joe Frazier, and Mike Tyson were three of the most popular heavyweight champions in history. And the one thing they all had in common, apart from the stylistic similarities, was the fact that they were all very short for heavyweight champions. Tyson and Marciano were around 5'10", Joe Frazier around 5'11", 5'11 and a half. Tyson was actually listed at 5'11 and a half during most of his career, but they exaggerated his height. He was really only 5'10", as was confirmed after he retired when he was measured again properly. But nonetheless, all short guys, all under six feet tall, all very popular, all pressure fighters would chop down much bigger guys. And the reason I think they were so popular isn't just because they were exciting. They like to throw a lot of power punches and whatever. But there's also kind of a David and Goliath situation going on there. a David and Goliath dynamic, whereby when you see a short guy like Tyson taking on all these big guys and defeating them, he represents the David character almost taking on the impossible, overcoming the odds every time he steps in the ring. And I think that was an inspiration to a lot of people just in you know all walks of life, where they feel like it doesn't matter how big somebody is, it doesn't matter how big a problem is, if I've got enough belief and ferocity, I can overcome anything and anyone. I think that's one of the reasons on a subconscious psychological uh, level, that's one of the reasons why those short heavyweight champions were so popular. Now, since Mike Tyson's fall from grace in the 1990s, we haven't had another fighter in the mold of a Tyson or a Joe Frazier or a Marciano become heavyweight champion. We've had a few pressure fighters, the likes of Andy Ruiz recently, Alexander Povetkin, but neither one of those guys was able to light up the heavyweight division the way that Tyson, Frazier, Marciano did, you know? Neither one of those guys is as dynamic as the aforementioned fighters. I mean, even David Tua, who never became heavyweight champion, was a lot closer to a Mike Tyson or Joe Frazier or a Marciano than Pavetkin or Ruiz ever were. And I'm not saying that Ruiz and Pavetkin couldn't have been, you know, very competitive in any era. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that They don't do for the public what Tyson, Marciano, and Frazier did during their time. They don't even do for the public what David Tua did. And so boxing fans have been asking for a long time, have been praying to the boxing gods for a new Mike Tyson, a new Joe Frazier, a new Marciano. Will there ever be one? And if there is going to be one, where is he going to come from? Now... There's a guy called James Wilson, who some people have pointed me towards. He's an American heavyweight who has an MMA background. From what I've seen of James Wilson so far, he is going nowhere fast. He looks, you know, an impressive physical specimen, athletically gifted. There's there's a few videos of him hitting the pads. But when you actually see him in the ring fighting, this guy doesn't look like he's going to go anywhere. Okay, so... The jury is still out for me on James Wilson in a very big way. I think recently he drew with a journeyman, James Wilson. So he might look good in highlight reel videos that he shoots for Instagram, hitting the pads, but in the ring against actual opposition, doesn't look great. So I don't really have high hopes for him. There was another guy who is a Dominican American called George Arias. And I thought he might have some potential because he had a lot of uh, energy in his early fights and stylistically reminds you of Joe Frazier, although, you know, a bigger version of Frazier. But he seems to have completely disappeared. I don't know what happened to George Arias. Has he lost the fight? Has he drawn a fight? I don't know what's going on with his promotional situation. He used to be with top rank uh, Bob Arum. Not sure what is going on with him now. So he's another one who... I was just interested in following his career, but I didn't know how far he would go. Aside from that, we don't really have any fighters in a similar mode to a Tyson or, you know, Frazier or Marciano on the horizon, as far as I can tell. Now, one place where we might need to look if we want to find the next uh, small heavyweight champion is Eastern Europe, because there's a hell of a lot of talent coming out of Eastern Europe, as we know. Now, this individual right here, Evgeny Romanov, he's up there in age at 34, as, as is often the case with these Eastern Europeans. They have such long amateur careers, that a lot of them don't turn pro until they're into their late 20s or early mid-30s, which is the case with Evgeny Romanov. Now, who is he? And why am I talking about this guy in particular? Well, this is the guy, let me just take you to his, uh, this is the guy who knocked out Deontay Wilder in the amateurs knocked him out in three rounds. You guys can see a video of that on YouTube. It's easy to find. Knocked him out in three, and obviously had, you know, good success in the amateurs. As a pro so far, fourteen and 10 KOs. Hasn't been fighting anybody particularly good, and he's been based out in Russia. He might need to leave Russia. I don't know what his con- is uh, promotional situation is like, but he might need to leave Russia and head over to Britain, the United States, etc. if he wants to get a move on, because that's where all the action is in the heavyweight division right now is in Britain and America. It's not in Russia. Yeah, at least not in terms of opportunities. So have a look on YouTube at Evgeny Romanov. Tell me what you think. Is it too late for him at 34 years of age? And as I say, I'm talking about small heavyweights here. He's only six feet tall. And you look at his weight, similar to Mike Tyson in weight, right? Turned pro at 217, his last fight 226. So his weight is creeping up a bit, and that's a little bit of a concern. You'd want to see him around the 220 mark. But uh, yeah, have a look at him online and let me know what you think. Can he be the next fighter in the mode of a Tyson, Frazier, Marciano at the very highest level? Or have heavyweights got so big now, that somebody six foot or under could never become heavyweight champion. Is that where we're at? Will there never be a guy under six foot become heavyweight champion again? Maybe this guy could do it. Maybe he can't. The time will tell. Another individual you might want to look at is this guy, Mihai Nista, who is a Romanian heavyweight. Again, 5'11", very short guy, 29 years old. And the reason that his name is known is because he knocked out Anthony Joshua in the amateurs. So you've got a guy who knocked out Wilder, six feet tall, and a guy who knocked out Joshua, who's 5'11". So far, he's only 2-0 as a pro at 29 years of age, you know, a bit younger than uh, Romanov, but he needs to get a move on at 29 years of age. He's only had two fights so far, both of them in the United States. So in terms of, uh, you know, matching him, hopefully it will, be able to be moved at a faster rate than Romanov is being moved at the moment and getting better opposition. In fact, let me check what shows he's been fighting on. Okay, he's been fighting on Golden Boy shows. Now that is a good sign. Because if he's with Golden Boy. Where was his debut actually? Golden Boy as well. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that this is a guy who if he's not signed to Golden Boy, he is uh associated with them. So, if he's on, you know, if he's with Golden Boy, that means he might be able to get access to matchroom heavyweights because they're all on the zone, Golden Boy and matchroom. So, keep an eye out for him. Have a look at him on YouTube and let me know what you think. Can he go on to become the uh, the, the modern version of a uh, Rocky Marciano, Tyson, Joe Frazier, etc.? Let me know what you think in the comment section below. It's happening I'm out. Join me on Patreon, I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the patreon app from the google play store or the app store for free the patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in mp3 for less than the price of a cup of coffee you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content it's easy to sign up there's no contract and you can cancel at any time so come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on patreon today
3: This is Andy Poroff, Boxing Social in association with Fred, and I'm delighted to be joined by legendary cup man, Jacob Stitch Duran. Jacob,
6: how are you? Uh, come on, man. We're here on the balcony uh, looking uh, at the ocean in Miami. Uh, life ain't too bad right now.
3: I can say I can agree with that one. And as obviously we're here in Miami. When you first started out working across for sport and obviously MMA, did you ever envisage you would come to a place like this working on a card like this?
6: Well, you know, I've, I've been a lot of great places, you know, uh, working these type of shows and all that, but never with a guy like Gip. And uh, that's what makes this more of a, a fun journey, although it's still a job, but it's a fun journey. And uh, this kid's hilarious, man. You know, he just I've learned so much off of him and he's learned so much uh, from us on, on what he has to do to go out there and fight. So uh, I'm impressed. I'm a big fan of his.
3: What's it like obviously working with Gibb in comparison to the world champions and the, the numerous names that you've worked with across various sports. What's it like working with a, a YouTuber in, in Gibb?
6: Uh, That was That's a great question because when I first met him, I first started wrapping his hands and he didn't even know who I was. You know, so it lets me know, oh, okay, well, he's not, he's not boxing uh, knowledge, you know. Uh, and, uh, but as the weeks went on, I tell you what, he really turned in because I told him, you know, you're not a YouTuber no more. You're a fighter you're a boxer that's why you're in las vegas and he made that transformation man it really surprised me uh i'm impressed with him
3: what's it like to work with him we've seen he's very you know he's very active he's high he wants to jump around a lot brilliant to see somebody so enthusiastic but what's it like for you as a cup man trying to work with him and obviously vidal as his trainer and so on
6: well you know it, it's definitely a great team but this is the new side of give that I uh, haven't seen okay. you know when we've been in the gym he's been quiet he's he's done everything without complaining just quiet and, and focused and all that. I'm having a good time just listening with his interviews. You know, he's he's a character. He just, I told him, he took the Gib face off. He put the YouTube Gib face on. and uh, But it's, it's Marketing 101. And, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity for all of us to be here. Has it
3: surprised you at all that just how well he seems to have taken two boxing and how serious he's, he's taken the, profe- the more professional side of things now in comparison to maybe his two previous bats? I know you weren't involved in those camps, but has it surprised you how serious he's taken it?
6: Uh, you know what, the, the transformation has been tremendous. You know, when I, I was telling him, you know, when you first got here, I had doubts, you know. I'm looking at him and all that, but in the three weeks, four weeks that he spent in Las Vegas, he literally made a 360, and, and this kid, I call him the, the British Rocky Balboa, you know, because in, in one round, in the third round, he threw like 122 punches, so he, he won't stop throwing punches, you know, and uh, his technique, Vidal has done a tremendous job, Leon has done a tremendous job in, in making him uh, a, a boxer, uh, so I expect a, a real good performance of him, and I think the fans are going to love it also.
3: Obviously on his last two fights that he's previously had, we've seen he likes to come forwards a lot, he likes to kind of throw as much as he can, how has Vidal kind of gone about trying to nurture that kind of technique and be a bit more subtle with his style?
6: Yeah, good questions brother, I like that. You know, Vidal and and I told him when we were working with KSI, he's 22 years old, but he has the mentality, the boxing mentality of an elder and he's an excellent, excellent coach. So getting to that point of, of his style of fighting, coming in just throwing punches and bunches and really no technique behind it, uh, we're going to keep that. We're not going to lose that aggressiveness. But now he is showing them angles. He's showing them when you throw the right hand, when you throw the body shot, when you throw the hook. So now he has a vision of what he was doing before. was just doing it on, on pure heart and soul. Now he has a vision uh, that Vidal and Leon had put into him where he has a fighting style.
3: Does it surprise you? You know, when you when you mention Vidal, he's still. He's, he's only really just started out with his own professional career. Does it surprise you just how well he seems to have taken to the coaching side? Uh,
6: you know, I, I, I tell Vidal all the time. You know, uh, I'm impressed with him. You, you know, and I told him last night. You know, you you have the mentality literally of a veteran, and uh, you know. But he comes from a boxing family. He's talking about his his sister. She could tell you every technique and every move, and so you know he comes from that background. But but to have the common sense. And, and to, you know, really be at the top level. I gotta give him credit, 22 years old, he's doing a great job.
3: You've obviously you worked on the KSI fight against Logan Paul as well. What comparisons can you make between KSI and Gibb?
6: Well, you know, when when I started working with KSI, the one, his athleticism was so much better. You know, he was an athlete coming in. Uh, Gibb, not so much, he always talked about he was a fat kid and all that, but look at that transformation, uh, but, uh, Technique-wise, you know, uh, they both worked hard. I got to give Gibb credit for working a little bit harder than KSI, even though KSI did a great job. I thought that, that when he fought, Logan Paul was a fight of the night.
3: You've obviously worked with numerous world champions. What's it like though now with regards to the pressure? Do you feel less pressure on you working with somebody like Gibb or KSI because... For them, boxing isn't a career. Obviously, they have their own things going on. Or do you feel just as much pressure as as you would when you was working with Andre Ward, working with Tyson Fury now, or the
6: Klitschko's? Yeah, no, you know, every fighter I work with, including Gib, I treat them like they're world champions, and and you should treat them like they're world champions, you know. But uh, now the nervousness and all that, it's it's routine for me. It's, it's it's I already have a system down. But as as the elder, every time I wrap give hands every day it's like you and I just separated I'm wrapping his hands and I I give him advice as what I know in the boxing game on the mental side uh, the physical side you know and uh, so I I school him there's times and places for me to come and 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 let him know what 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 is right and the times when I know it's right I'll give give the, the advice that he needs
3: on those occasions when you are wrapping his hands when you have him one to one what kind of insight have you been able to get out of gib and what he's like as a person
6: you know at uh, he, but at tally he was real quiet during the gym very humble very quiet and i'm <laughs> <laughs> i'm seeing a new give here <laughs> you know he just uh, he just turned it on but as a disciplined fighter, he was very, very disciplined, but like I say, very, very humble, very respectful, and and, uh, and not once, that's the thing that I got to give a lot of credit to, not once did he complain about the hard work that Vidal and Leon were putting him through, and they were putting him in through some work, and uh, so, yeah, two different gifts, man, so. Have you watched any of his YouTube videos? I, I haven't, <laughs> no, no, I haven't, you know, but uh, just looking at him, I, I'm going to go back and I am uh, going to check him out, you know, so. It's a whole new, different world
3: for me. I mean, you just mentioned it's it's a whole new different world for a lot of people, obviously seeing this crossover now, YouTube stars coming into boxing. When the first set about started to come out, especially in the UK, what was your thoughts on it? Did you think it was good or bad for boxing? Because it's divided opinion amongst many, but what was your initial opinion on it?
6: Well, you know, I, I still think that when it comes, I'm a big man on marketing. Marketing is so key. You know, that's why I always try to promote myself and sponsors and all that, make yourself visible. But I think uh, Matchroom Boxing and the Zone uh, did a masterpiece when it came to marketing to bring in KSI and Logan Paul. And you could see the results. The results were phenomenal. And, and, and yeah, of course, you know, you bring a in, but then you bring them in to work with people that are in the system, that know the system, to take care of these fighters and, you know, like KSI and Gibb to bring me in to, to be their cut man and take care of them, uh, to me it means a lot, but uh, I think it was a great, great job that these guys have done, you know? So, if this one kicks off as good as as, as the last one, then I would expect another one, maybe, what, Antonio Brown and Logan Paul?
3: Well, that, that one was rumoured. There's also rumours that if Jake Paul was to be successful, he might face KSI something that you'd be interested in working on again? That's obviously if it was to happen.
6: Oh, you're talking about with KSI? Yeah, I heard people talking about Of course, you know, it's uh, this is this is fun. You know, it, it's entertaining. And uh, it's the only way to go. You know, so of course, you know, I, I'm with KSI all the way. If he's going to fight again, I'm, I'm covering his back.
3: What are your thoughts on Jake Paul then? Obviously, he's teamed up with Sugar Shane Mosley. What are your thoughts on that?
6: Well, you know, it, it's funny because uh, uh, Gibb just brought up a point. Where's Shane Mosley at? And, and, you know, as I look at the camps, and one of my things through experience, I look at them and looking at Gibbs camp, me, myself, Leon, uh, all these guys, uh, Vidal, we're all relaxed and all that. And you look at, at uh, Jake, Paul, and their their team, they're all real intense and all that. And and uh, so I, I see that, but Shane Mosey wasn't there, so to me that's that's you know that's such an this is such an important part of, of the promotion that he should have been here. So it lets me know, number one, he's not a trainer. He's a boxer. And usually because you're a boxer, doesn't make you a good trainer. We'll see what kind of work that uh, Shane Mosey put into uh, uh, Jake Paul. You know, and then I always look at the corners and see who the cut man is and see who the third guy is. And and that's how I evaluate how good good this fighter has been trained, opposed to how good this fighter has been trained. So those are the little things I look at, little kinks in the armor.
3: Obviously, this fight takes place on Thursday night. How does that kind of alter or change preparations on fight week? Usually, you'd be preparing for Saturday. You got two days less to try and the last little bit of weight you might need to lose, etc. How does it change your plans and preparation?
6: Uh, really, the plan hasn't changed. You know, just a couple of days earlier, right? You know, so you know, Vidal, being the master that he is, scheduled everything according to uh, us fighting on Thursday, and even the training, you know, was based on about the time that we will we'll, we'll be fighting you know so uh, that's been taken care of and obviously
3: away from this fight you've also teamed up with Tyson Fury for his next match against Deontay Wilder in February talk to me about how that came about and the decision to team up with Tyson
6: oh you want an exclusive huh yeah. all right well let's talk come on all right so you know it's, well, I'll start from the beginning so let's say a month ago uh, Kevin Berry uh that's a trainer, you know, I trained some of the Joseph Jersey Parker and all these guys. He called me in because they were talking to Bob Arum in his office regarding uh, I think Guido, another fighter that they had. Yeah. But Bob Arum asked me, asked him, you know, what do you think about Stitch as a cupman? And he says, that's, there's no other. So Kevin called me and said, hey man, you know, the discussion you're in, in the name uh, the discussion. So then I get another call from another guy, uh, Amir Abdallah actually, yeah. that works with KSI and, and uh and Gib here. He says, hey, man, you know Frank uh, works with top rank. He asked me what I thought about Stitch as a cup man. He goes, it's the only number I have. You know, so those were the things that people threw at me. But I've been in this game long enough to know that unless something happens, it's going to happen. Uh, but they set me up to meet with him last Tuesday and, uh, at the training. So I went there. Bob Arum was there. You know, and I walk up to Tyson Fury, and, and uh, he puts out his hand. He says, hey, welcome to the team right off the bat. And I said, wow, you know, so we we talked about the cut, we looked at the cut, and, you know, I told him some of the things that I'll be doing, and, and for the most part, it would be preventing maintenance, you know, I don't wait till something happens, I'll, I said, so I'll, I'll keep ice on you, and just make sure that we minimize uh, any possibilities of that cut opening, and if it does open, then don't worry about it, because I'll control it. So we went through those steps already, and and then, you know, he's training, and then I, I was there again Thursday, and. I told him I was going to be here with Gibb, and of course he wished Gibb all the best. Uh, so when I get back, I'll be in the gym on a regular basis. But Bob Barum is, is the one that uh, kind of said, you know what, we want Stitch in the Corner, and Tyson Fury uh, agreed. Okay. Uh, and, and real quick, let me add that Jorge Capetillo, that was the cut man for Tyson Fury first, he's a good friend of mine. And, um, and, but he's the one that said, and he knows, you know, he was kind of put into a, a spot that he wasn't accustomed to, and that's working a lot of cuts. But he told Tyson Fury, he said, you know what, man, I'm not really, you know, I think Stitch is better to handle this fight than me. So I think that was admirable on his part, is to go out there and, uh, and say, you know what, here's my limits. And, and I love you as a, as, as a friend, because they're, they're real close together, that it's best if you get Stitch around. So that's how it came to be, man, and I'm looking forward to it.
3: What's been your thoughts on Tyson in the gym? How's he been looking ahead of February 22nd?
6: I'll tell you what, man, he's a beast. I I was impressed with him when I worked with Vladimir Klitschko. When he beat Vladimir, I thought Vladimir had a bad day, you know, and I was telling Tyson, I said, but I saw you fight Deontay Wilder, and at that point, I knew you were a master of what you did, but he's looking tremendous in the gym. Sparring partners, he's poking them real good, and just his defense is tremendous and all that so just
3: just, i know you've got to show off because we've just been told but how weird or different was it working with Tyson now knowing you worked with vladimir against Tyson?
6: yeah well you know i've worked with so many i've done that so many times where in the mma where i'll be wrapping your hands and working with this fighter so it's it's common for me but uh, whoever i work with i always give him 150 percent of my time
3: uh, finally before i do let you go you obviously gave us a couple of t- t-shirts yeah. the other day You was generous to donate them and we'll be doing a giveaway across boxing socials channels you just want to tell everybody about the new setup that you've got ahead, ahead of a uh,
6: little giveaway yeah one more round you know that's a sponsor i had when i was with the ufc and of course you know when the ufc let me go and they lost all their sponsors uh one more round kind of fizzled out and when i did ksi fight uh mark zucker the owner saw me working the fight and it kind of rekindled him. So uh, we teamed up and uh, we created One More Round, which is an apparel company. Uh, I, once again, because everybody thought it was my company. And my job is to give that fighter one more round. Uh, so One More Round's gonna be uh, uh, here. Actually, you got the first one. You, 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 you literally, literally got the first ones. These came hot, hot off the press right before I came into uh, Miami. So, so you literally got the first one. So thank you well, for the speech. support.
3: Thank you for your time. I know you've got to shoot off. Best of luck with the camp, and I'll catch you later in the week. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social.
6: Anytime. It's always a pleasure. Yep. Thanks, man. Good job. <laughs>